Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And I will dispense with nonsense this week because, golly, that was an ass-kicking. Uh, 41 to 15, the Colts come in. Um, I think if there was a, a tailor-made uh, bad scenario for the Bills, it was probably the Colts this week. And... Uh, the, the Bills managed to kind of shoot themselves in the feet while they were at it. So um, it was just terrible top to bottom. I mean, um, I, I was texting with you two, obviously, and I had had sort of a weird feeling that morning about the game. The more I had thought about it and the more I thought about kind of what the Bills had struggled against. And I mean, hats off to the Colts, too. I mean, they they played it. They played a perfect Colts game, probably like that's about as well as the Colts can play. Um, but let's turn it to Scott first. Um Let's let's get through this game and dispense with what we can um, and then move on to, I guess, bigger picture stuff, because there's plenty to talk about. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, as Frank said, we were all I think we all were increasingly nervous as the injury report started to come in, missing arguably, you know, two of the top four defensive tackles, the middle linebacker against a team that already probably has an advantage on the ground. Uh, and the offensive line over our defensive line, that that kind of was was something we were all concerned about. I think I think it's just, um, you know, as I said before, with the Jaguars game, um, some of it was an X's and O's issues right then. And some of it was a was a mental thing. We had a little of the mental thing in this game as well. And the Colts Colts um, had kind of decided that they were going to play extra hard in this game because we apparently, you know, ruined the end of Phil Rivers career last year by sending him home a loser in the playoffs, which I mean, you get your motivation where you can, but the Colts obviously, as Frank said, seem very ready to play. Um, I, I don't want to dismiss that, but I don't think that was the the key factor. Um, I think obviously we had talked also in the Jags game about the offensive line and that there was not really a good answer for the pressures. I think the offensive line in this game did a better job protecting Allen Certainly was not a clean game for the offensive line. Plenty of penalties that put them behind the sticks. I think we kind of discussed on Sunday that there was at least one interception that you almost want to put on the offensive line because of the holding and false start that put us in. I think, excuse me, we went from, you know, first and 10 to like third and 20 or something. Um, no, it's third and said, three to third and 22. Yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. So, so that that's not good. Um so the so the offensive line again the 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 uh, the Brown shuffle um, you could call it uh, when Spencer Brown goes out we have to move Cody Ford in Daryl Williams goes to right tackle and we arguably get worse at two positions um, I think that's just unfortunately a fact of life with this is the NFL and you're not always going to have um, a ton of depth on the whole team and I think there's a general lack of depth on the team that shows up in these kind of situations when people get injured. Um, you know, as, as some people pointed out online, the bills have actually been really lucky with injuries this year. It's just that in this game where those injuries happened, were incredibly damaging. Um, but I would also say, I will not let the defense get off the hook because obviously this is a horrific game for the defense, regardless, or excuse me, not the offense, uh, the defense, we already talked about the injuries can be traced a lot, not just the offensive line was the problem, but also just, I think we also have to say at this point, I'm not sure we've got a scheme slash player combination to fix the cover two shell um, rotating coverages pre-snap read whatever this issue is that people have kind of figured out with Josh Allen it's a thing now um, uh, and there's been different variations because the, the Colts were saying they were running a bunch of different coverages 
they were just disguising them from pre-snap to post-snap. That is different than the, well, we're just going to sit in a cover two shell and make you play in front of it the whole game. Um, but apparently equally frustrating to Josh Allen. So until we figure out how to run the frickin' ball um, and why you guys can talk about Singletary and Moss, um, but we're all done with them. Um, it's just, it's just, there's a lot of talent on this team and it seems like we really have to be playing better because if we don't, we're not going to go to the playoffs and then that's bad. I don't know if anyone's explained that to the Bills, <laughs> that you actually have to play well during the regular season for the whole regular season and then earn a playoff spot. And then at that point, you get the chance to go to the Super Bowl. You need to win the games in the lead up to the playoffs. I don't know if McDermott's explained that to me. I would suggest he did. I'm a little okay. annoyed. Okay. Well, Scott Scott comes in as annoyed. Um, I'd like to let listeners know, maybe I'm telling stories out of school, but uh, 2018 Paul showed up in the group chat this week, which was great because <laughs> I hadn't seen somebody that ready for the you know the end of the world um in quite a while uh so i wonder if he's still with us or if if <laughs> paul has dug himself out a bit um but let's go to paul and, and see what his thoughts are because we, we have concerned on one side i'm sorry annoyed on one side and then well let's see where where paul is right i would say more 2016 paul 2018 uh kind of the transitional year so i was cool with that but yeah okay. 2016 paul was back in in droves this week and it's funny when Scott said, well, I'll let you guys talk about Singletary and Moss, but what, what's to really talk about with those guys at this point? Yeah. This is year three for Singletary. He had, he's, his average per carry is good, but he's shown he just can't shoulder a load for a whole game. He's not a guy they're comfortable handing the ball to in the fourth quarter when they're trying to put games out of reach. And Moss is averaging, I think, less than three yards a carry, and there's some argument that he hasn't gotten as good run looks as Singletary, but he's not doing anything with the looks he's getting. It's his second year, and yes, running back is one of those weird positions where you really do kind of know by year two or year three which direction the development is headed, and those are players that tend to peak sooner than other NFL players. Cough, Le'Veon Bell, cough. Uh, Frank said we dispensed with the nonsense at the beginning. This game itself was nonsense, uh, so that is that I think covers the nonsense quota. Uh, yeah, Scott covered so many of the areas of concern for this game, from the penalties to the inability to be the cover two shell, to the offensive line being better, but getting worse to two positions uh, as a result of one uh, you know, person being put on the COVID list. And defensively, problems that we knew existed, but here they are again. You know, We're at a position now where Harrison Phillips, who is a healthy scratch for most of the year, is now being depended on as the main person to be the initial guy to stop these runs. And when he's been unable to do it, then it's going to A.J. Klein behind him. We all knew last week that this was a bad matchup. Uh, I think I don't know if we all realize it was the potential recipe for absolute disaster that it ended up being. But this was really as, as full a team loss as you can can get. The, the team was certainly not prepared going in and certainly not as prepared as the Colts were uh, going into the game. That was noticeable. So that's on on coaching. The players simply couldn't match up. They knew it was coming as, you know, part of the 2016 knee that emerged was the fact that none of this was a surprise. And yet I didn't see anything on offense or defense to try and counter things that the Colts were doing that Buffalo should have expected that they were were doing. So that becomes an issue as well. So I said to the guys yesterday when we were texting, this is a team that could win a Super Bowl and it would not shock me and they could miss the playoffs entirely and it would not shock me. Uh, you know, this is real, 
we could chalk up all the lo- other losses, the Tennessee game, you know, rough break. Steelers, tough matchup. We've seen them get better week after week. You look at the Jags game. Wow, huge letdown. Seemed to correct it against the Jets. But bam, right back to this. This is the type of inconsistency that plagued the 1989 Bills that finished 9-7, and seven, squeaked into the, won the division on the last day of the regular season and got knocked off. And what remains my favorite Bills loss ever to this day, the uh, the divisional round loss to Cleveland Browns at the end of that season. That tends to be what uh, concerns me with this team. Not that they don't have the talent, not that they don't have some good coaching in place, not that they don't even have most many of the right guys on the roster. They, My biggest concern is they have not put this together consistently. And this was exactly what happens when none of the areas come in and do what they're capable of doing. So I'm just going to give that macro view since Scott gave the uh, you know, more detailed review. And uh, I will leave it to Frank now to do his portion of the uh, talking us back off the ledge, specifically me. Sorry, you guys should jump. I don't know what to tell you. This, no. Um, <laughs> no, look, I mean, they've lost four games. And the next best teams in the league, in the conference, have lost three games. It's a weird division this year. It's not, the as is no, in the notes, you know, the difference between the number two seed and the number seven seed was a loss, was one loss. And so we're talking about margins of error that are very thin. And obviously, if you're Buffalo, you need to be on the other side of the margin of error. I'm not making excuses here, but I'm saying that, you know, a, a, an AFC win in a week or two We'll we'll write this ship completely. Like if they beat the Patriots on Monday night, a, a lot of this stuff gets put back to the way it was. Um, so, you know, it is a little early to, to really be calling them the 89 bills and, you, you know, forecasting, I think, a lot of stuff. But I think that what is clear is that we've identified one or two things that the bills are not good at. The cover two shell thing is real. Um, and but it's only real when. They, for some reason, Spencer Brown is the key, right? Like, like they lost. Little did we know going into right? the season, Spencer yeah. Brown, the fulcrum on which the offense rests. They, little they, did we know one month ago that was the well, case. Well, I mean, but look at their, you know, the, the Ringer article I sent you guys was good. I think he, I think that article is very good. You should go find it. Why the Bills are suddenly losing or whatever. That's the article, whatever the article is called. You know, they lose to the, the Titans and, and really like a, a no shame kind of loss. They, you know, they're, they're at the goal line at the end of the game, losing 34, 31. They certainly scored points and were right there. Their other three losses. I think a game that we can still chalk up as like a weird loss to Pittsburgh. Although the, the, the cover shell defense starts to come into play, but the defense played well there, the Jags game and this game makes sense from a, from an offensive perspective. And the, and the things that are in common are really probably some level of Cole Beasley being injured, um, which is probably not being talked about enough because he's suiting up and playing. And Spencer Brown and this and this entire offensive line shuffle, there must be a really good reason why they feel the need to shuffle all of these people instead of just sticking somebody in that in that that guard spot and 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 leaving or sorry, in at the tackle spot and leaving Williams as a guard because they've done it twice now, despite disastrous results, um, you know. 
one of the answers to this cover two shell is the is the um is running the ball but it's not the only answer it's you know quick release throws it's a lot of things that they can do to sort of get the underneath available to them the easiest and most efficient is to have an efficient not necessarily a heavy or big running game i don't you know i i still don't want to I don't want to fall back and, and say that the Bills need to be a, a run first team or have, you know, 50-50 balance. That's not it. You're still going to make your points by passing the football. And the evidence for that is last season and this season, all of those wins still happened. All of those big scoring things still happened. And and what I've noticed is that, the the you know, it's not enough to be conclusive, but the pattern seems to be that they're thin and when they lose one or two people on the line realizing you know they they don't have feliciano either it's not just one guy it's two guys really um that that offense really struggles because allen isn't protected or or allen is rushing throws or you know i wish they would kind of let him off the leash i wish that in the next time if, if spencer brown's not playing they just say okay go back to even go back to your first year and just fucking like run and make something happen because he's really good at that. You know, they, they pulled him off the field at fourth and five down uh, 14, you know, they're trying to kick field goals at 17. I don't really understand 17 down. I really don't understand what McDermott's thinking because a lot of these, it's very clear that you're not going to be able to stop this team. So you're going to have to get lucky with your stops, which means you better maximize your, your possessions. And they don't, they don't. And that starts with coaching and it goes right on down. And I, I said, I'll say it now. Like, I think this ends the Josh Allen MVP conversation unless, you know, he has a, a miracle last six games. Cause yesterday was the kind of game where you need him to play like the MVP and make things happen. And he didn't. And I understand that he didn't get help, but like, that's the difference for me. The difference between a, a very good quarterback and an MVP caliber quarterback at least right now, is, hey, everything was against us, and I still figured some stuff out. And, and they didn't really figure anything out. Um, I do think he was being held back a little by by some of the play calling, though. Um, the other thing is, like, you know, that rushing attack, you're talking about, like, the absolute middle of that of the Bills' defense is gutted with personnel. Like, they're just not there. And even if you have Tremaine Edmonds there at the linebacker level, you know, maybe, maybe some of Jonathan Taylor's runs don't go for as much as they did. And he's, you know, they aren't as successful. Carson Wentz did nothing. I mean, he had 20 attempts and completed 11. He played basically. He didn't need to. Yeah, I was going to say what he said. Right, I mean, he, like. He did nothing and he did that very well. But you but <laughs> he didn't I'm turn saying, the ball over, period. Yes. Yeah, what I'm saying is, like, you didn't have to stop Taylor much more than you did. Right. It's it's a couple of plays here and there where if you played a little bit better, he would have been asked to do more. And then maybe it's a very different game. I don't know. Um, but all of that is secondary. You know, one of the things this is offseason topics, obviously, they're going to need depth in places. And at the current level, I mean, right now, their best bet is to get healthy, because if they don't, I, I think they're in trouble. But I think that they also. You know, I think it overestimates how good the rest of the conference is and how good the division is that, you know, we're it's doom and gloom here because everybody right now is having real struggles and problems. And so the Bills are just one of many flawed AFC teams that have, you know, many good things going for them, but not everything. So I'm a lot more optimistic in that regard because I don't know, like it, it, it falls to other teams to take take it away from the Bills. And some of them have done it, but not all of them. 
and we'll have to kind of see how the the rest of the season plays out. Let's do three stars and then um oh and it was a scoregami. So congratulations to Paul. Um Yay. uh three stars and then we should probably get into some more stuff. Yeah. Uh okay. So we'll do honorable mentions first. Uh honorable mention goes to Matt Breda. Um as is uh, as I know coach McDermott is listening to the podcast, I will just say seems like he needs some more carries at the beginning of the game, coach. He seems did like say he something needs- about earning opportunities so yeah yeah i mean to be fair we only ran the ball i see to be fair i see three carries for singletary three for moss and five for brita let's just maybe work those more a little bit earlier in the game i guess i guess that would be <laughs> um when, when the game is still relevant um we'll do honorable uh mentions as well for steph Diggs, four catches but two touchdowns uh dawson knox had a nice game um six for 80 yards um a a bunch of uh, bunch of Indianapolis defensive players could earn um, honorable mentions as well. Darius Leonard had a had a decent game. Um, you know, I think they again they did a good job even getting pressure without a lot of blitzing. Although they did do it occasionally, Kenny Moore and Zaire Franklin uh, with honorable mentions as well. Um, but I will give a third star to uh, a guy, I guess George Odom who I think did have a personal foul against him, if I'm not mistaken. But I know he also had the one of the first picks. Um, and I thought, in general, he seemed to be in the middle of a lot of plays. Um, you know, kind of, again, part of that shutting down the of the Bills kind of deep passing game that the Colts were, were mostly effective in doing. Um, and then your, uh, I think this is the first time, I think this is the first time we're doing this. Uh, we're going to go to your second star. Your second star is... Second half, Jonathan Taylor, who I I kid you not had a <laughs> uh, hundred and two total yards and two touchdowns, and then your first star is also Jonathan Taylor. First half, Jonathan Taylor, who also had a hundred and two yards but three touchdowns. Ah, uh, yes. So it, cle- clearly, boy, a Jonathan Taylor. Second half, Jonathan Taylor really needs to step up that he could not get that one extra touchdown to really be the difference maker difference. Hey, that's the difference yeah. between first and second star sometimes is, is, is getting that pater. Um, you know, second star, Jonathan Taylor would say if it wasn't for Isaiah McKenzie, who mostly <laughs> escaped torment in this particular review of the game, fuck <laughs> you, Isaiah McKenzie. Um, there like, was so much other crap around him. Isaiah just got, off, yeah, he got off way too easy. I just knew five. Don't worry. Was terrible. Yeah. Everyone remembers Isaiah. Everyone remembers you falling in the middle of a cup return with no one around you, fumbling. Right. He's probably Colts... clearly like 89th star or 88th star. Yes, game. yes. He, he is definitely 89th star in this game. Um, that is now over. Um, yay for my boy JT. Please go play in the NFC next year. Um, <laughs> the end. The end. The end, Frank. So, okay. <laughs> That's fine. I'm, um, I'm just yelling for yelling's sake. Yeah, loud noises. Um, where do okay? Key questions. This is good. Paul listed a handful of key questions for us. Um, some of which will go faster than others. Um, where do the Bills stand right now? I mean, and then should Matt Breida be the number one? I assume running back. Um, and depth issues. Uh, are they on Brandon Bean? Um. I think the answer to the last two questions is clearly yes. I think even if like the depth issues like weren't that bad, like that's always going to be on 
Brandon Bean. That's it's just his job, period. So, like, you know, yes, this, the answer there is I, I wouldn't even know who else to blame. Um, so um, and, and then Matt Breida, like, I don't know, like single Moss has not done anything. They've done they are, uh, you know, they are just a two headed Hydra that seems to be driving in different directions and don't go anywhere. Um, and Matt cut Breida off one just, head and you cut off one head. Cut off one head and and it just sort of comes back and reattaches itself and they try again. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 done with them as running backs. I I I'm I, I'm sad for them on a personal level because I, I certainly remember the stories about Singletary doing a lot of work in the offseason and they might be able to succeed in a different type of offense. I, I remember reading something about zone blocking, et cetera, um, and whatever. But the point is, they're not working here, so. Um, you know, I'm ready for them to be packed up and shipped out next year. Um, and, uh, you know, where do the bills stand? I, I think I alluded to this already. I think that, you know, they're obviously clinging to the wild card spot, but the difference between the wild card spot and number two overall is one win. Um, and you know, whether that was Jacksonville or not. And, and if you're in that number two spot, you're now knocking on the door with Tennessee. So I think it's a really wide open conference, let alone, division. I think the only annoying thing is that the Bills seem to have beat the division leader teams, but are losing to the wildcard teams, which sort of exacerbates the issue of having to win the division um, because you don't really want to be in tiebreakers with like Pittsburgh or Indianapolis at this point. Um, I think one of the things to note was I looked at the playoff predictor machine and they, they were at 80% to make the playoffs. Um, and then they're kind of still favored to win the division. Yeah, I think like win- 67% or so. For the yeah, and, and weirdly, they were more likely to win the Super Bowl than to get the number one seed in the AFC. But, um, you know, the point is, like, th- there's a lot of football left to play, and there's three games left in division, including one against the Jets. And so you're going to have to be – it's all going to go through – you know, New England is going to go through Buffalo, and Buffalo is going to go through in New England. That's going to be the – the, those are the, the key matches. And really, when I was looking at it, we can talk about this more another week. Beating New England once is probably going to be enough. It's going to be OK to split with them, probably. But we can talk more about that um, as you go. But, Paul, do you want to answer your own questions here and then we can give Scott a chance? Yeah. So uh, I think you're right with the depth issues on who else they could be on. You technically could pin them on positional coaches not developing the players properly yeah. or on McDermott for not having the right depth chart in place. We keep seeing guys like, you know, Cody Ford instead of Ryan Bates. But I agree with you entirely. I had no problem with them re-signing all the offensive linemen this year. But I, at the same time, if you feel like, you know, Cody Ford and Ike Bucker are downgrades, maybe you should be, you know, looking to replace them. I get they drafted two. They had drafted three, actually, and one of them they didn't keep. But maybe you keep a guy like Jack Anderson, who's been hanging around on an NFL roster this year, I think, with Atlanta and doing okay. So, yeah, this was the the failures we see on the offensive line and the failures we see behind Star Lutalele, uh, which they knew from last year because he was out last year. Those should have been ones that were more properly addressed, and that's hurt the team. On Breedy, yeah, I don't really have anything to add to what Frank said there. Singletary and Moss have now had ample opportunity. Breedy has been dynamic. Uh, there's the argument that, well, he can put the ball on the ground a bit. Well, Devin Singletary leads the league in fumbles and is not exactly a 30-plus touch a game running back like Jonathan Taylor is. 
So there's really no excuse for that. So let let a guy who's shown some some dynamic ability get in there. He's not going to be a cure all, but what the heck can he, you know, how how much could he be worse than what we've seen? And where the Bills stand, yeah, this is like I I I'd said earlier, they could still win the Super Bowl. They could miss the playoffs. And where they are right now is in a position where I think you've got to look at them going, you know, five and two. You need at least one of those wins to be against the Patriots. You need the other wins to be against the AFC because especially the game against the Jets because you need to go five and one and the Patriots are four and two in the division and maybe you have some tiebreakers. So I think if you can go five and two, finish the year 11 and six, you probably get one of the a two or a three seed in the AFC. I think that works out very well for them, but it's not going to be an easy road. Uh, and with New England playing Tennessee this week, that's a funny game. If we had more time, we could discuss who to root for. Depends on whether your goal is the number one seed of the division, because it could be very different on who you root for then. I think it's a very different question just from last week, because yeah. last week I was all about New England beating Tennessee. And now I'm <laughs> like, I think I need the, I think I need the buffer. Yep. So exactly. And that's, that pretty much covers my, my thoughts, dark thoughts. I think um, I will. Uh, the other thing on the depth, I will actually say the offensive line depth thing was less of an issue for me because at least we drafted another tackle. We just don't think he's ready. I mean, it's not ideal to have two guys down, but I, you know, if two guys are down and you're down to your bottom, you know, some teams don't even carry more than eight linemen, so you're going to be kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel with a backup center anyway. There, the defensive line thing kills me because this is still has to be the most highly paid defensive line in the league, but we invested it all in the same freaking player. It's the uh, six, except for Ed Oliver and Starla Tulele, it's the same. It's most of the guys we've gone out and got are pretty much the same to my mind. They are six, four, six, five, two seventy five, hybrid D ends, but in a pinch, you could play in that defensive tackle, um, but they can kind of rush the passer. They've got a little experience. Like, that's everybody we've drafted. And everybody, like, that's Epinesa, that's Rousseau, that's Basham, that's um, who on the de- other defensive ends. I mean, Addison Ob- is... Obada. Yeah. Obada. Um, those are your depth guys, and those are the guys who you need. Like, I get, like, we're trying to upgrade with Rousseau, but Basham is this... But this is the thing, like, it's not understanding where you are in the story and you think, oh, well, we just really need to get a way better pass rush. The rest of the defensive line is fine and the defense the defensive line is not fine. We are two tackles down and suddenly we have no run defense. So it's it's pretty quick that that kind of, you know, well, if we just get enough pass rushers, that'll fix all our defensive problems. It is problematic when you play a team that runs the ball like Tennessee or uh, who do we just play? Indianapolis or New England twice in the next three weeks, um, that's going to be a problem. Uh, or when we're playing Tampa and we got to deal with uh, what's-his-face. I mean, obviously, Brady's going to throw it a ton, but or that. Um, so, yeah, so that's another thing of just, like, I get, like, if you want to make a case the defensive line is very important, and once you get quarterback figured out, that's maybe the second-best investment, but sure. But you got to get different types of guys because it's not all the same. can't just all put the same guy out there and expect the line to all do the same thing, because this is not that league. This is a very specialized league where everyone has roles to play, and if you have don't have a backup star with Hulule, you kind of need one, rather than a, than a fifth version of, like, you know, Gary Hughes or Mario Addison. Um, so the 
who also, frankly, did not play well and graded out horribly in the run game, and they just need to play better because they're better. Um, and then in terms of where the Bills stand, like, and, you know, everyone saw how annoyed, you know, heard how annoyed I was. I mean, it's, we're not looking great. I mean, this is the, the Patriots. If you're the Patriots right now, you got to be feeling pretty comfortable with this matchup. You got to be liking this matchup. You're not, you know, I don't think you're terrified. I don't think you're worried about this. I mean, you're worried about it. You understand it's an important game, but it's going to be a real, real interesting Monday night game. And that's assuming that we get through the Saints okay, which is, you know, we, we lost the big assumption. Yeah. We, we beat the Jets, who are the worst team in the league, but we definitely lost to Jacksonville, who was a top bottom five team in the league. So certainly shouldn't be looking past the Saints here uh, coming up on. So that's where I am. Uh, let's see. Um, I'm going to skip around the league because I think we have other stuff to get to. Yeah. Um, but there was interesting. Thank you for putting together some of those interesting game notes. Um, the game status for this week against the Saints. I just want to do the injuries now. Uh, Feliciano, Feliciano is still likely out. I uh, haven't seen anything from him, and it's obviously yeah. a short week. Tremaine Edmonds said today he's trending in the right direction, but is unlikely to play. Okay, well, that's well, then he might be in time for the the, the big New England matchup. Um, Tremaine Edmonds and Cole Beasley were full participants in mm-hmm. practice, and Starla Tulele and Spencer Brown are still on the COVID list uh, with no uh, updates. Uh, we I had speculated last week that they might not say anything about anything because that might it divulge whether they were vaccinated or not. I seem to remember Starla Tulele not being, and you had said that Spencer Brown did not appear by his social right. media as somebody. So if that's the case, then I think both of them are already out for uh, the Saints, um, which again, I mean, poof, yeah. like that—that's that, too, you know, with same shit, different in, day could be if, if it they, could be, especially offensively, you know, like I think Edmonds does bring a bit back to the defense, which is good, but you know, if we're talking, Bobby Hart's going to go in, like that's not great either. I don't know if we were discussed that, but Bobby Hart's now a bill, um, which is the last bastion of. He's the end of the road when it comes to tackles. Right, Vlad, Vlad Dukas must have been unavailable. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, Sabri Henderson. Uh, okay, so we have questions and comments from this week. Um, I'm pulling up the the Twitter list, Paul. I'm gonna I'm gonna go in reverse order um, because Jasmine says why, and his comment is FFS. For fuck's sake, can't wait to listen, kind of. Thanks, Jasmine. But then somebody named Rob Carter replied to Jasmine, and I can't get a sense of Rob if he's just screwing with us or not. He said, his question is, why are the Bills blowing their best chance of winning the Super Bowl, question mark? Does Jake Allen just believe his own hype? Yeah, it was an interesting question. I, I did the same thing you did, I'm sure, which is let's look at his his profile page and see, you know, to get a chance of what he's doing here. Uh, and a lot of it's soccer related stuff. Yeah, he he seems to live in Spain. Um, and so he does follow that he was talking about the Steelers game uh, okay. recently. So he could be. But that doesn't mean anything. It could just been what was on in let's, England. Let's assume, let's assume good intent. Right. We will assume good intent, because if he has have good intent, uh, is Scott will be the first to say our listeners are everything to us. Yeah. So we, um, we, we need that. Yeah, I I mean. I, I don't think they're blowing their best chance because they still have not to jump in and answer the question. First, I think they have, you know, they have a window here that's not going to close this season 
especially not if the salary cap goes up next year and they can afford to do some things. I don't feel like there's anyone right now who's peaking this year or that they're going to lose anyone, you know, huge in the off season. So I'm not as concerned, but it's just more frustrating that they're not uh, playing that. And I think with Allen, he is, uh, yeah, I think he's as pissed as everyone uh, right now. And I think he's his own harshest critic. So I don't really worry about him. Yeah, I don't think he could. I think it's tough I, I because. Just... <laughs> okay, you go, Scott. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I think it's tough because I think it just shows how narrow the gap is between a team that is dominant and capable of beating anyone on every day and hitting on all cylinders to a team that just gets a couple injuries and a little bit of a wrinkle from another set of um, defenses, and suddenly they're adrift and um, you know not mediocre but have fallen back to the pack to where they are now, as Frank said earlier, kind of one of a lot of teams that are now flawed and not all those teams are going to make the playoffs. I think it's just, it shows how quickly things can change in, in a league that is essentially built to have this happen. So I was just going to, I just going to say like, I sort of reject the idea that this falls to Allen exactly. I mean, I, I know earlier I said that this is why I don't think I would vote for him as MVP, but he's basically the playing the same as last year. He's not really far from it. And like the regression is kind of mathematical in that way. It's not like something noticeable. I, I think that people just it's easy to point to it. And I think that, you know, the the issues are the defensive line and the offensive line. They are losing these games in the trenches, period. And that affects the quarterback. And hopefully going into next year, they'll you know, they've invested two hundred and fifty some odd million dollars in Josh Allen. So they're going to probably start investing in the offense to give him every chance to succeed. So um, that's what I have to say about that. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm here for all the Rob Johnson talk we can find our way to today. <laughs> that's what Josh uh, Folan said. Um, that's a good comment. It was, yeah, it was a good good uh, discussion between Josh and I on how ripped David. Rob Johnson is. Yep. David Leary sat next to an older Bills fan in his early 60s at the bar watching the game. He said, this is the worst half I've ever seen. Was this the worst half ever for the Buffalo Bills? I'm guessing no, but I defer to you three. And then he did post the 2012 October 7th 45-3 to loss to the 49ers. And I think that that probably, I haven't revisited the game, but I do remember it. Um, that's probably was worse than this game. Yeah, um, and, and I actually said I you that have that to. that was pretty just, awful. I, I'm sure we could find Patriots games that they looked worse at that kind of thing. Um, certainly a, one of the more disappointing losses though, of recent members. It might be the worst McDermott loss. I think I would be prepared to say that. Yeah, yeah? I, no? I would say, well, I would say non Peterman worst McDermott. Is anybody Peterman there? accepting Peterman accepting. Yeah. Right. Hopefully I can't speak. hear you guys. Oh, Frank can't hear us. Well, we are having quite the conversation over here. Frank. You should <laughs> join us sometime. Um, so Frank will probably leave and come back. I know, I know why it happened. It's because I pulled my headphones out. So that's why. <laughs> yeah. So Frank, that, now this is the worst Bills loss ever. Okay. This is the worst Bills loss, con a non-Peterman category. That is right. Because the, the Peterman category. loss, you have you have all three three of his starts: the Ravens start, the Bears start, and the Chargers start that come up mind. All of those were worse. Monte uh, Davis mid mid half retiring did not. Did not get yeah. to that level. Right. That's, that's, a, that's a great bunch. 
to go to the worst I can think of besides a Peterman game, I'd have to go back to the uh, Sunday night game we watched at Frank's then apartment against the uh, Patriots. It was a game where they brought Kevin Everett back at the beginning. The Bills were back in the playoff hunt at five and four. The Pats were in the middle of their undefeated season. And the Bills trailed this game at halftime, 35 to seven, en route to a 56 to 10 game. And they were incompetent, really, on all sides of the the ball here. It was it was a terrible, terrible game. Uh, they somehow only managed to turn it over twice and commit five penalties. But I remember thinking this is one of the worst games I've seen. But certainly. Mark is annoyed that McDermott is talking about working on fundamentals. It irks him, something he said three years ago. In a year that's supposed to be your Super Bowl run, 11 games in, you shouldn't be talking about fundamentals. I guess. I mean, but they have to because they're not playing fundamentally sound football. And not everybody here was three was here three years ago, Mark, to talk, to get that important lecture from Sean McDermott. So he probably has to keep giving it. Yeah. You know? This is also BS coach speak. He can't be yes. like, well, well, we have to. You know, we have to actually tell Josh next time that he's facing a cover two that he needs to check to the seam route and hit hit Knox with the tight end seam route. Like, here's the thing, even- everybody. We got the shit kicked out of us because two guys were missing. And uh, uh, I hate to say that, but the people that we put in there are terrible and we have no choice but to keep using them until the healthy, until the good people come back. So um, you can direct your questions to Harrison Phillips, who probably hates me, and AJ Klein, who probably hates me for saying this. <laughs> Or you can say, yeah, we didn't play fundamentally sound football. <laughs> and at least the people in the room won't hate you. Um, Brian posted a picture of a guy in a full Josh Allen kit. Because they're from the UK, the UK Bills. Uh, he was getting food at, it looks like, the stadium. Some guy um, just gave up. Uh, bad game plan. Coaching is the problem. That's from Lugal. Uh, there's a very good chance we lose four out of five the next games and miss the playoffs. That's from Mark. Mark is in the in the Paul boat. He's in the let's yes. just sail down the Arby's River together. Stephen, I'm done. I doubt that. Stephen will be back commenting next week. Um, and we have a lot of other kind of quotes, including uh, uh, George George Hutchinson, who said who said it's not over yet, boyos. And I think that's probably a good place to end it for comments because. It's not over yet. Otherwise, we'd all be taking a nice break. But we're not. We're here podcasting. Um, I didn't say earlier, but Marquez Stevenson returned to practice. So that's good. Yep. And for those of you who wonder what the hell that means, they've got three weeks to add him to the active roster. Uh, They could activate him as soon as for Thursday's game if they want to. Of course, they'd have to make subsequent roster moves. So we'll see how that goes. Okay. Um, This day in Bill's headlines. All right, we're rolling. I've got 22 minutes to do. No, I'm kidding. We won't take that long. Stop. Stop. (laughs) All right, so let's roll right into it then. This day in Bill's headlines, uh, we're going to pretend it's still November 22nd, even though it's November 23rd. So here we go. Now with two sacks on the year, this is from 2019. Now with two sacks on the year, Bill's rookie blank says neither of them have been legitimate. When you get ahead, it opens the game for the pass rush. Complimentary football, the mm. offense and defense working together, said blank on what led the Bills defensive line to let led to the Bills defensive line's big day against the Dolphins. Everybody was eating today. Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver. So there we go. I got the warm-up question done. Um Vic Carucci says blank's toughness makes instant impact on Bill's O line. Blank did what come year? in. What's that? 2018. What did I not say the year? You I've did. done that twice. Now. All right. Okay. Well, 
2018. Uh, Blank didn't come in with anything close to the hype Josh Allen received. Blank was a fifth-round draft pick from Virginia Tech. He was someone General Manager Brandon Bean and the rest of the Bills scouting staff include had the smarts, strength, and athleticism to make a successful transition from the spread-style offense most colleges use to a far more complicated scheme that would ask him to pull and use his considerable power to match up against massive defensive linemen. 2018, you've got the draft pick, and you've got the, you've got the draft round, you've got the school. 2018, fifth round. Offensive Virginia lineman. Yep. Offensive lineman. This is should be right up my alley. I feel it like it should. Yeah. Um, it's not much more. So this was no. Yeah, it's yeah. So it's and it's the year that Allen was drafted. So it's Allen, Edmonds. Um, it's after Dawkins. Yeah, you had Harrison Phillips in the third round, I think, that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is we're getting real. It's getting real hazy. Um, I will, I'm going to say uh, the Care Bear with the heart on him. Uh, do you remember that Care Bear's name, Frank? I think it was Braveheart. Braveheart, sure. We'll go with with Braveheart. Um, I will give you a hint. They were right about how good this uh, offensive guard would be, but. He's not a bill anymore. Mm. It's tender heart. Excuse me. Oh, I just looked it up. Oh, <laughs> tender heart. It's, it's, tender is heart. it the guy? It's not the guy who went to, to the Browns, is it? It is. Yeah. Guy who went to the Browns. Wyatt Teller. Wyatt Tenderheart Teller. Very, very good. Took us a minute, but we got there. All right. 2015. I remember the year this time. Blank pays big div- dividends for bills. Bill's cornerback, Nikel Roby, who grew up in Polk County, Florida, as Blank did, playing his high school football at Frostproof, says they collided a few times during their high school days. Roby said he loved safety, coming down and smacking you, covering, getting some picks. He had the same mentality and tenaciousness that he has now, but he was a defensive player then. 2015, you said? 2015. Uh, I will give a huge hint here because I didn't realize there was this little info. This person had really what would be considered a standout rookie season for Buffalo, and he never played in the NFL again. Um, standout. Standout. And you can surmise by the clues he's on the offensive side of the ball because Nick Roby said he moved. He used to play defense in, in okay. high school. I want to say this is like one of our – is this Robert Foster? No, no. A little early for Foster. 2015. Big guy. Big guy, big guy, big guy. Big guy, but not an offensive lineman, I should clarify. Right. So tight end or receiver, probably. Uh, No, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. All right. It is Mr. Carlos Williams. Carlos Williams. Standout rookie season, fell out of shape, and unfortunately that was it for his NFL career. That's wild. So 2012, Bill's blank tackles tough assignments. Every week you're going to be impressed watching the tape because usually that's the defense's best player or one of its top players you're going against, blank said. Mm. Once again, it's another challenge this week, so I'm just looking forward to it. I want to say 2012. This sounds like a left tackle, right? You would think. Yeah, yeah. One, one would think. <laughs> Cautious. Um, 
some too many linemen in this. This is edition. this is this is a prominent one. I'm not throwing you a. a well, it's not know. Jason Peters because he's this long gone by 2012, right? Right, right. Okay, not, not Jason Peters. Oh. I mean, he was kind of considered the franchise left tackle before Deion Dawkins. In fact, they played together in 2017. Oh man, why isn't this coming through? Um. Oh uh, no, not Jonas Jennings. That's ten years. Actually, <laughs> we'll go back to the twenty aughts for Jonas there. Early twenty aughts. Mm. The Jonas character, if I may. Um, <laughs> oh man, Great, this is you're tough. very good left tackle. Very injury prone though. The Bills end up packaging in a trade, I think, with the Bengals, which helped them move up to get Josh Allen. I, if memory serves. Pretty Glenn, of course. And there we go. Took Gosh. some. Took some finagling, but we got Epic there. Right. Fail. Oh my it's, god, it's, it's, I can't get anything going. We should do this in the afternoon, is what we've learned here in DC. Well, uh, it's, it's the, it's like the cover two of all this day in Bill's headlines. Like, <laughs> <laughs> making us go point question by question. Ah. <laughs> all right, all right, we, we'll get our act together. 2011, blank gets pushed down the depth chart. Cornerback blank is officially in Chan Gailey's doghouse. Last week before the Miami game, Gailey came right out and said that Blank had been struggling, which he has. However, he did not give an indication that Blank would be sitting most of the day in Miami. Terrence McGee and Drayton Florence started, and when McGee went down with a knee injury, rookie Justin Rogers took the bulk of the plays rather than Blank. Gosh, okay. So uh, cornerback, not... Yeah. yeah. Cornerback from 2011. Leotis McKelvin. Oh, yes, we got oh, one. Well done, yes. Good job, Frank. We are oh. off schneid, as they would say. Um, I don't know who says that, but I say that. Um, all right, good. So 2008, blank, working overtime. I may, I didn't realize I had so many offensive linemen in this one. Um, I'm a perfectionist, blank said. I'm always very hard on myself. I don't think I've played my best ball yet, but I think I'm climbing. It's about getting better every week being accountable to yourself and your teammates, and just working. Um, this was kind of odd to hear out of an offensive line, but he'd been struggling a bit, which was notable because on March 2nd of 07, uh, this was the second season with the team, the Bills had signed him to a seven-year, $49 million contract with an $18 million signing bonus, which was the third largest in NFL history at the time at his position. Eric Wood? Nope. Nope. This is a guy who... Um, he was released and ended up going back to Washington. Uh, so he played for the team in 07, 08, big free agent signed from Washington, and then went back to Washington and was still pretty oh, sucky there. Eric Dockery? Yes, yeah. Frank. Yes. I, nice the big enough. contract in Washington did it for me. Okay. Um, speaking of big contracts Walker, in Washington. Was the other guy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Langston Walker and Derek Dockery, the ones who are the reason Jason Peters is no longer a bill. Uh He's also currently working for the Government Affairs Office for TikTok here in D.C. So if you want to hit up Derek Dockery, uh, go right oh, ahead. Okay. All right. 2004. I feel like Frank's been waiting for this one. That doesn't mean he'll get it, but I think I think this could be a good sign. 2004. <laughs> this is a long one. Blank's play takes a page right out of cartoon history. There's no hesitation once he makes the catch, not the slightest hint of indecision. The ball hits his hands and he's off, his feet pedaling up a storm. Kind of like Fred Flintstone laying skin on the way to the bowling alley, which couldn't be more appropriate. 
Blank and Fred Flintstone were always tighter than granite. Every morning before grade school, Blank would park himself in front of the TV, his world not the same unless he'd caught that day's episode of the Flintstones. A week after returning a punt for a touchdown, Blank nearly returned another punt for a touchdown Sunday, uh, nearly took it to the Water Buffalo Lodge while setting the stage for the Buffalo Bills' second-half dominance of the St. Louis Rams in a 37-17 victory at the Ralph. He fielded a Sean Landetta punt at the Buffalo 42, making for the end zone as if late to work and fearing the wrath of Mr. Slate. Okay, 2004. Yep. Um, so this is Nate Clements? Nope. In fact, the next hint was going to be he burst through the initial opening provided by Nate Clements block. And later in the Terrence article... Terrence McGee also returned punch it, punts. Yeah, but he was mainly a kickoff guy. Yeah, okay. Um, and then, yeah, Clements also returned one for a punt for a touchdown this game. So this was someone, they would both be back there fielding punts. Hmm. Oh, four. I didn't know we had any 50-year-old punt returners on the 2004 bill. <laughs> they were going up watching the first time. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he watched in syndication, I would guess. Yes. I got up before school and watched that show. I used to think I was Fred Flintstone, and I think this is what's going to do it for you guys. So my family started calling me Freddie. Oh, Fast oh, Freddie Smith. Jonathan, Fast Freddie Smith. Smith. So in case you ever wondered why I got the nickname Fast Freddie, he was named after Fred Flintstone. He used to be Freddie. And then in high school, he was such a fast returner. They called him Fast Freddie. Fast Freddie. All right. Last one. And this is going to be an estimate one. Your, esti- your, your plus the or estimate. minus is going to be $3,000. Okay. So here we go. 1988, going back 33 years, it will cost about blank to repair goalposts. It will cost about blank to repair goalposts and other items destroyed at Rich Stadium in the wake of the wild fan celebration after the Buffalo Bills clinched the AFC East title, officials said Monday. Thousands of fans ran wild on the playing field after Sunday's 9-6 overtime victory over the New York Jets tearing down both goalposts and ripping the end zone nets that prevent balls from going into the stands. I'll say $18,000. All right. Scott. $24,000. One of you is correct, and one of you is just barely incorrect. $20,000 on the nose is the exact amount. So Frank gets it within $2,000. Scott just off at $4,000. But the Bills went to 11-1 and one, uh, on the season. That was a crazy game where they finally won the division after a long absence. And uh, all of those together are this day in Bills headlines for November 22nd, which uh, is today maybe somewhere in the world. Yes. Um, thank you for, once again, the best segment in all of Bills oh, podcasting. Um, and we have a New Orleans game to talk about Thursday night, Thanksgiving, um, in New Orleans. The Bills are listed as five and a half point favorites, uh, but a website like Odd Shark is telling you to bet on the Saints because they think they're not going to they're going to win. Um, oh, no, wait. Minus five. Yeah, no, minus five and a half means that Buffalo is favored. Buffalo minus five and a half. Right. That, so Buffalo is favored. But they're saying that, you know, you should bet New Orleans, that they basically think that this is a bad line in that regard. Um, and who is to say five and a half is, is less than a, a full score, you know? So that's a pretty tight window for, um, this bills team, which has really sort of enjoyed double digit, um, uh, you know, spreads at, at the time. Um, I'm going to do something a little bit different. 
I'm going to let you guys make two picks. You can pick first based on Spencer Brown and or Starla Tulele not being in the game. And then you can pick again based on either one or both of them being in the game. I don't do this very often. I think this is probably the first time we've ever done this. But if you want, you may you may cover yourself because we don't feel, we got caught out last week. And if we had recorded on Thursday instead of Tuesday, somebody might have picked the Colts, to be honest. But we recorded early in the week. So I'm going to give you guys the opportunity here. Um, Scott, you can go first and you may make your pick and you may add a caveat uh, based on those players either playing or not playing. Um, I think I think. I, I am still a believer as much as I poo-poo, at least for this game, against this Saints team that is very dinged up. Both both uh, both tackles questionable, Kamara questionable. Uh, they got defenders out, um, guys on IR, um, you know, tight ends, you know, out. Um, so I, I think I am comfortable with picking the Bills regardless. Now, again, I might read the day, and obviously I think it'll certainly be a much closer game. But I still think that there's enough talent um, on this Bills team to kind of um, get it done. Uh, again, it's on the road, but Allen's played well um, with, you know, the, the big lights on on Thanksgiving last year. Um, I'm hoping he can do it again this year. Maybe the answer maybe the answer to the run game is also some more Allen runs. And obviously that's risky, but we know those are usually there for the taking. So this might be the game that we see them really deploy those you know, get get seven or eight called QB runs on the sweeps and the draws. Um, that helps loosen up that cover two a little bit. And um, you know, I think I think hopefully the Saints will not um, you know, Mark Ingram is questionable even himself as the backup running back. Obviously he, he is not uh, super dynamic. So hopefully the Bills can kind of wrangle him to the ground. I think if 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 even if nobody comes back, which I think is a decent probability at this point, I still like the Bills. I'll say twenty-four to uh, seventeen. All right, I am going to take the coward's way and definitely pick this on on both sides. So I say with Brown and and Lodolele out, the I saw a joke online that the Saints injury report is like a CVS receipt. I do not think that is inaccurate. So they they have so many key injuries and injuries that will help the bills and that they correspond with bills weaknesses. So I think if you can, I, I think if Brown and Lodalele don't return though, and I'm going to pick the saints, if that's the case, and it's not uh, the disaster Paul version of Sunday, that's picking the saints. It's today's Paul. Who's noting that it's a short week. It's a lot of travel and there were a lot of issues to fix. And that is very tough to, to, to do in the saints. Again, with the home field advantage, I'd pick the saints 20 to 17. Uh, Brown and or Lodalele return uh, for the Bills. I think that's going to help immensely. And I will just reverse that score. And I will say Buffalo will win 20 to 17. And either way, I hope that ends up being the final because I will be in Richmond, Virginia, watching this game with my brother-in-law, who is a big Saints fan. So it's going to be a bad day for me, uh, bad Thanksgiving for me if they lose, uh, doubly so. Well, one of you passed my test. The other one of you is a coward. So, yeah, no, um, I I was trying to be a coward. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, I think it's fair. I uh, uh, I kind of want to pick the Saints, but then when I go to pick the Saints, the only reason I pick want to pick the Saints is because I I'm disappointed in Buffalo. I think instead, what I want to say is 
the Saints are kind of banged up. Like, they don't really have a quarterback. They don't have a really great running game. It is what they do well. But I don't know that they have the defense that other teams do. I I think Buffalo can win this game. Um, I'm going to go with Paul, though, so he's not lonely in the coward boat. There really is Yay. only one brave person here. I'm going to say if, if both of them are out, then, you know, Buffalo loses a closer game, like a 17 to 14 game. Um, and I think if they're in, I think Buffalo can win, you know, 24, you know, 24 to 17. I think that's kind of the difference. Um, the good news, even though I'm kind of soft picking down the middle here, I do think that when they do get healthy, they're going to be in good shape for the end of the season. I'm I'm actually not as worried about this game and what it means overall uh, for the season. So if there is a game to lose, it's probably this one. That's There's a, there is some logic that says last year they may have peaked too soon. So maybe they needed to hit these ruts in late yes. November. Well, you can let us know what you think at MNY on Twitter. You can search Buffalo Bills maybe next year. That's our podcast. You can pass it along to friends. Uh, we are here rain or shine, as it turns out, even when nobody has a good time to podcast during the week. And so, <laughs> um, but we make it happen. So thank you so much for listening. Until then, my name is Frank. Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everybody.